If you're growing a business or just thinking about launching a startup, this is definitely the podcast for you. This is Fast Forward, brought to you by Tech Manchester. We support early stage tech focused businesses. Each week, we'll dive into the issues that we know keep entrepreneurs awake at night. We'll chat to experts who'll share their tips and advice on how to handle everything from raising finance, making your first hire, to getting your company noticed on social media or in the press. Running a business is a roller coaster. It's exhilarating, but it's pretty damn scary at times too. We're here to help you get your business off the ground and hopefully get a better night's sleep. It's hosted by me, Patricia Keating, Executive Director at Tech Manchester. Standing in a tin shed, waiting for the van to come. Oh, friend, have you seen where my golden tickets be? Welcome back to Fast Forward. As you heard at the beginning of the podcast, this series is dedicated to answering challenges that keep entrepreneurs awake at night. We have a variety of people from different backgrounds, uh, stages, even countries that listen to this podcast to help them with their businesses. Now, like their backgrounds, the entrepreneurs also start their businesses for a variety of different reasons whether it's the earnings, the ability to design their lifestyle, to be their own boss, uh, to earn their potential and personal freedom and so on. These are all really great reasons to get into business. But is it possible to build a massive enterprise but also have a massive positive impact on the world? Philosopher William James once said, act as if you do make a difference. It does. Today's founder saw international students being exploited by greedy agents and unscrupulous landlords and decided to do something about it. And Housemates was founded last year to tackle that problem. Its founder, Lydia Jones, is here to share the journey so far, the challenges, the iterations and her vision for the future. Welcome, Lydia. Hello. Thank you for having me. Now, before we get into Housemates, let's hear uh, some more about you. You founded your first company at 15 years old, FitFash. Um, how did that start and what did you learn from that whole experience? So with FitFlash, um, I dropped out of school when I was 15. And that was many reasons, but the main reason was I couldn't really find where I fitted in in school. Um, so that was friend groups. I wasn't like a, an A-star student either, so... Mm-hmm. Um, it got to the point where I didn't want to go to school. It was quite miserable. So what was your day-to-day experience in school like? Yeah, so quite isolated, kind of sitting on my own, eating on my own, um, on lunch and dinner on my own. So everything was, it was quite culty. It was a, a kind of small high school. So Clicky. Yeah, um, you know, it, it was hard to kind of fit in. So it just became very, very miserable. And in that process, I was like training a lot, Um uh, you know, you probably shouldn't be lifting weights at 15 where I was. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. So I kind of, that was my release. So I'd come home from school and I'd be in the gym. And then I went to like a CrossFit gym and I was like training with men. I was always more comfortable around men and boys. Mm-hmm. When I was in primary school, my friends were always boys. Um, and yeah, I decided that I was going to come out of that environment. My mum and dad, I'm very, very fortunate to have parents who support that path. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so my mum and dad decided, okay, we can take you out of that schooling situation. So I was 15. I'd done my GCSEs as an external student, which was even um, more of a black sheep experience in a way. Yeah. So do you continue to study at home? Yeah. So I would do like 12 hours of education a week, everything else, just to get what I needed GCSE wise. Mm-hmm. Um because everyone deems them as so important later on in life. Yeah. So I'd done 12 hours of education and everything else was my time. And in that time, I was training more and more, uh, sometimes like three times a day. Um, and it would be everything from like yoga to CrossFit. I just had the time to do it. Yeah. Um, and was, that's everybody's, well, my dream. And yeah. Sarah, the producer's dream is yeah. to train three days a week. I know, right? Three times a day. Um, and it was just, a, it was an obsession. I was so strict over my nutrition. It just wasn't, it wasn't really, when I look back, it was too much. Mm. Um, it, but it was the only thing that I could really control in my life. It was a coping mechanism. Yeah. Um, I believe everyone's got their own coping mechanism. So through that, I was, you know, my dad, I come from construction. He built a shed at the bottom of the garden and basically said, okay, this is your place. This is the gym. Um, we got some old gym equipment and th- this is where you can go. Um, and through that, I started training more in that environment. And I thought, well, how do I meet people like myself? There's a lot of young people who love fitness, um, you know, want to share that journey. Where do they currently share that journey? So I went to places like Instagram. Instagram at that time, it was 2014. It was very much photography based. Um, it wasn't what we see now with hashtag um, FitBody or mm-hmm. FitFam or all these hashtags that are huge. So I decided that, I would start. Uh, so one day I, I kind of was sat in the gym and I thought, okay, I'm going to start a platform for this. Um, and within kind of two weeks, I kind of mocked up all the wireframes. Everyone thought I was crazy because I was telling my brother and sister, do, do you want to help me out with this? I think I'm going to need a little bit of funding because they all come from their own businesses. Um, I set out and found a developer and we worked together and we, we built FitFlash and we were a fitness social network with elements of tracking. But our target audience was kind of, weirdly enough, kind of 16 to 22, very unique audience. And all our user journey and UI was tailored as well as our marketing to that audience. You're using a lot of words there that um, uh, with a chin that you knew all of those things back then. Did you know that's what you were doing? You know, you're talking about wireframes and UI and UX journeys. Or what was it that you thought you were doing at the time? So... For me, um, I wasn't even a big Instagram user, but I've always been fascinated with design. I still yeah. lo- love design. Um, so the first thing I thought is this has got to look good uh, and I'll figure out how it functions next. Yeah. So basically I knew the core functionality was obviously connecting with friends, sharing your fitness, how to tag that into groups of, of activities. That was kind of the core, very, very simple, minimal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my my. When I was, I kind of sat there with a sketchbook and a pencil and a paper yeah. and designed what I wanted it to be. And it was, it was crazy, kind of the next three to four months of seeing that come alive. Yeah. And then learning that you were building wireframes. Yeah. I <laughs> never knew. Someone said to me, what, what's a wireframe? I'd, I'd be like, what? I don't know what that is. But yeah. yeah. It's like, you drew them. There they are. <laughs> yeah. It's a crazy journey. Yeah. So it is, it's really good to reflect back on, you know, what you've, what you've done and realize that's actually the process steps that you were going through. Um, so tell us a bit uh, more about Fit, Fla- Fit Flash. Yes. Um, you know, is it still running? What happened to it after you built it? You know, what happened then? Yeah, so we, well, what happened was my brother and sister came involved as like silent partners. Right. They stopped um, thinking you were crazy after you built it. Yeah. 
So they liked the look of it. Um, we, my favorite color at the time was purple. My sister's was. So we wanted something kind of hippie in a way. So we came up with Fifth Flash. The logo was a lightning bolt. It was very different to what you see, like with my fitness pal and other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and we grew that. So my, my job was basically everything from kind of 50% on the code and all the UX or the UI, um, all the marketing side. And then when I needed someone slightly older to come to a meeting, my sister would come along. <laughs> so uh, what what I did was I went the influencer marketing route when this was pretty new. Um, and I went out and got fitness influencers on Instagram who, who kind of, I wouldn't call them influencers in a way. They were like micro influencers, people who had like a thousand to five thousand followers. And I, I said, you know, we, I told the story. Listen, I've came out of school. Mm-hmm. I've came up with this. You seem the same age as me. Um, your your content here isn't really getting a lot of traction yeah. at this moment in time. Would you fancy trying this app out? I'll also send you some free clothing. So we got everything branded up in purple and fifth flash. And we ended up growing that to like, I think it was over 150 brand ambassadors who had over 1.2 million reach in total. Uh, so we started kind of taking those numbers up in terms of the following that they had. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, uh, that's how we got our users. So we took our users to a considerable amount. It was in thousands. Um, mm-hmm. And then what happened was when I created Fifth Flash, unlike with everything that I do now, I thought short term. So I didn't think, what do I want this to be in five years? And all my competitors... That's okay. You were yeah. 15. Yeah. <laughs> most, kids, most kids aren't thinking about beyond what they're having for dinner. I know. So um, what happened was our competitors, which were like Nom Nom, Healthy Selfie, all London-based, mm-hmm. had all raised on like Cedars, uh, crowd, crowdfunding, Crowdcube, all considerable amounts, like £300,000. And then we watched this process of like this, the next kind of 12 to 14 months of them completely pivoting, and me not really understanding why until I then went into like data analytics, started taking courses in that area online and understanding that our retention was dropping. So we might have been growing um, like a trickle of users coming in mm-hmm. from the conversion, but our, our actual activity and retention and output was decreasing. So when we started asking that question, um, it seems out that that's when kind of Instagram's fitness team was like had its tipping points and everyone got more interaction there. So it then became a numbers game and there was no way that we could compete with an Instagram ever just mm. in one category alone. Um, so I decided that um, I had another idea at the time um, and I thought, I'd, you know, I would, if I raised investments, I'd be wasting investors' money, which I don't think is the right way to do it. Everything that I do, I'm very transparent and honest about. So I thought there's no point in me raising 300K to blow 300K. An investor wants to return five years from now, and I can't give them five years with this product and this market. It's too mm-hmm. unstable. And if you look at that market now, you've got like at least 15,000 fitness apps competing in the same space. Yep. Very, very saturated. You know, it, it's whether it's audio, workout, video, it never stops. Yep. There's always a new yeah, one. YouTube, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was in my, in my um, when I sit back and review that process, it was the right decision to end it. Um, and I didn't really feel like some people have like that that chasm where they yeah. feel like they've lost their baby. I didn't really feel like that because I think it was because I was so young and adaptive to the next thing and yeah. where the market was going. Um, that might have been a different situation if I'd spent like five years of my life, yeah, put loads of investments into it. Yeah, put your house on the line or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that, that's that's why we decided to call it a day. And that so, was kind of a group decision as well. What happened to it? Did so, you just wind it up? 
yeah, so we decided to take it off the App Store. Um, at the time, I was working on another platform, minimal viable product stage called Troops, um, which matched people by the hashtags that they frequently use on, on social. I went and found a different co-founder on that who was technical. We were 50-50 on the company. Um, so Fifash was off the App Store. And, you know, a lot of people did ask about it because it was like people who knew me just knew Fifash. Mm-hmm. And all my social and everything, like everywhere I looked, my inbox, everything was to do with Fifash. Yeah. So to cut that point off, looking back, it was quite weird to an outsider. What was happening, it looked good. But this is the thing with startups. Mm-hmm. So startup founders say everything's going great, which you do. Yeah. And when you actually sit back and make that decision, um, it seems like you have to explain yourself to a lot of people in that yeah. process. So I found myself saying all the time, well, the market wasn't there or we didn't want to raise funding because we, we were yeah. blowing people's money. So I gave like 500 different reasons to all these people. But yeah. basically it was just, it was a collection of things that brought it to an end. Yeah. It wasn't a scalable idea. Yeah. You can't, yeah. you're moving on. Definitely. Unbelievable mindset for someone so young. Brilliant. Love it. Um, so that was the end of Fit Flash. What happens? Trips then happened? What happened there? Yeah. So me and Danny, my previous co-founder, um, I went on this this uh, this journey of kind of the first five months of trips. I'd done all the UI, all the UX, a little bit of coding, but I wanted a real good CTO. Um, and I was looking everywhere. I was looking on freelancing platforms like Upwork and places like that. Uh, and then it turns out that one day through GitHub, where you upload your code base to, mm-hmm. I found out that a guy lived around the corner. There was just a year difference between the two of us. He was a self-taught programmer, and that's how me and Danny came together. So we worked 18 months on the project because it was a very complex algorithm. And we went to lots of different um, kind of acceler- accelerators in the sense of entrepreneurial spark, um, we went through the Ignite Manchester process, but we didn't get through. Um, we went through so many different, and then what happened was uh, we soon realized we had a mentor in America. Uh, we got offered a scholarship for the Boston Conference, which is all like business or software, mm-hmm. which was September time. And we, we, uh, we took the opportunity because everything was paid to try and see if we meet any investors over there. Uh, and we soon realized that when we got there, there was two things that were key. One is we would need tens of thousands of bits of data to show this algorithm, lots of different personality traits and demographics. And two was we found out that six weeks from that date, Instagram was launching the hashtag algorithm. <laughs> so we actually came back on a plane from Boston, uh, quite deflated, yeah. <laughs> in the essence of we'd spent 18 months of our life um, building this very complex algorithm, learned a huge experience there on how quick you should go to market and what you should go to market with. And yeah, we, we didn't take it public. It was all in beta, all test flight. Uh, we were mobile only. And we we came back and it was this period of we didn't really know what to do with ourselves because everything was consumed in troops. It was mine and Danny's life. Yeah. Um, so but we, so was Fit Flash. Yeah. What, what's the difference between those two experiences the thing for you, is, do you think? With troops, what I had was a lot of people saying this could actually change a lot of things in terms of people's timelines. We had um, we had the ability to boost content out to like 500 people who match similar DNA as you. So we had a lot of things like that, which basically meant that we were very, very tailored. Um, so unlike a Twitter feed where you've got everything going on, we would only show your content to people who exact who match the exact social DNA as you. And we worked yeah. hard on that social DNA. So when you have people saying, 
which is norm nowadays. This is going to be the next billion dollar company. Your heart suddenly becomes set on the next billion dollar company and the next unicorn. Um, so we were so deflated um, in this, this period of time. I think that's why we felt it a little bit more than Fifth Flash, that everyone had bigged us up everywhere yeah. we went. Um, and then a big kind of corporate, Facebook owns Instagram, comes along and does something very, very, very similar, which basically meant that we would never be able to raise capital. Um, so we were thinking long term, but we were actually motivated by the wrong things that you should be motivated about when you do a startup. Yeah. So it was like, oh, we want a billion dollar company. And that was just all wrong compared to our values of what I have now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's why the process was typically diff- different to Fifth Flash. Okay. So you went home, kind of lost yourselves a little bit. How did you pick yourselves up and move on? What happened next? Yeah, so we both had family who, me and Danny never went, never chosen to go to university. We both had family who went to university and they were both in their first year. One was in Liverpool, John Moores, uh, and Danny's was in Edge Hill, which is um, up towards South Portway. And what we realised is we took like, I think it was, it was a matter of three weeks, we took some time out. We went to visit and stay in the halls with our family. Yeah. Um, I don't know what we were thinking at the time, if I'm quite honest. But what we soon realised is when we got into these halls, the communication between... You've got all these people moving together, right, into a building. Yeah. And there's no onboarding to that whatsoever. No, you're just landed in. Yeah. And, you know, it's partly because the private halls of residence that, that I now know is it's basically just a, a list and you go, okay, great, you want that room, you want that studio, we'll put you all together, that's your budget, you know, pay £400 a month. You'll be put in with Adam, Ben and Sam and that's it. Um, and, you know, with with us, what we realised is a lot of international students who are coming in and this is a whole cultural shock altogether so you've got people coming from the middle east china all these different places and you put them in an environment that they don't even know who lives next door so that that's a, that's quite scary if you think about it from that element so we we decided that not only that our family members didn't even know who their neighbor was um so it was and you know that didn't really change what was amazing to witnesses that didn't change as months went on they still didn't know who their neighbour was to say that these parties were happening everywhere mm. and you could hear them but how do you get invited <clears throat> to that party right takes you back to your kind of school yeah. experience isn't it you yeah know, the cliques how do you get into the cliques yeah and it wasn't even like our family members were shy they were more outgoing than us so we watched this whole shift but I was just paying attention to international students as well and just watching you know, like you do when, when you look at your users in general. I was just watching how international students work and they would only go to the gym in the building when there was nobody in there. It was just like a total segregation in a way. How do you think felt. that's partly because of your own skill experience where that was what your experience was? Maybe maybe so. Maybe I was, well, you know, that's a good point, looking for the person that's by themselves. And in most cases, it was international. Um, and... Yeah, I, I think I do in life. I do kind of gravitate to people who I think, oh, is that person sitting by themselves? Oh, I'll go and speak to that person. Whereas most people in a coffee shop would ignore that person. <laughs> that Now I'm more outgoing, so I'd sit in, or even in an airport and say, oh, how are you? I'm Lydia. I would have never have done that when I was at school. Um, so we came up with whole hang. We called it this, you know, our logo was a sloth. We were a social, but uh, closed social in a building. It was invite only based on address. We even went round the letterboxes and put envelopes and invites through a bit like mm-hmm. next door. Yeah. Um, and we got... A, you've got a captive audience in a very small place and yeah. they're all going to be looking in there. Literally. So we worked just at the start with two halls of residence in Liverpool. 
Um, the actual halls of residence didn't know we were operating in them. They didn't even know that we were there. <laughs> like, I wasn't meant to be there as a guest. I was meant to sign in. I wasn't even I'm pretty sure in. you're still underage. <laughs> <laughs> so the, therefore, um, we were going around trying not to like, get caught on the cameras, putting these letters through the post box to say you're invited to, ha- uh, to hall hang. Uh, we got a significant number of, um, we had over a thousand downloads and we watched. Was it an app that you built yeah. that you just threw together? Just an, just an iOS app. Yeah. Um, and what happened was we noticed this behavior of international students who were using us were one, communicating on the app, but two, because we were on, we opened it up to every app store. So depending on the device and the store they were on, they could download it accessibility mm-hmm. wise. We got a lot of students overseas who were downloading us even before they had their accommodation. And then actually spent a lot of time venting about how they couldn't get accommodation easily. Um, and we went through this. Uh, so Danny, my co-founder, he, um, due to like mental health reasons and other things, he decided that he didn't want to pursue with the company anymore. It was too much stress. Um, he wasn't making money, it, like a whole bunch of reasons. So yeah. he resigned. Um, and as one door closes, another one opens. So I got offered the job as a product specialist. Um, in Horsham, which is like between London and Brighton. So I took the job because I, I needed some cash. That was with Amplify yeah. Life? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, How did that job come about in this sort of crazy entrepreneurial... Yeah, so my dad, um, my dad's friend in Wales, just so strange, um, he became an investor into Amplify. Okay. And he, he has like, um, like a plastering company, but it's all over the UK. So he's like a successful guy. And he'd put money into Amplify and basically uh, he'd, he'd heard that I'd done Fifth Flash and other different things and Amplify was mobile based. Mm-hmm. Um, but Amplify had had some issues in terms of how do we make that user friendly? How do we really make clear our value prop? Um, and basically he he called me up, he got my number off my dad, called me up and said, I'm going to put you in touch with the CEO. Um, had a call with the CEO, Damien, got invited to London um, and he hired me then then that's how it worked it was just yeah. uh, crazy so i went from um <laughs> no job uh, and having a whole hang to being a product specialist but i was very very upfront with damien from day one which was um i didn't really plan to work for someone else but i think i can change your company but at the same time if i have a certain meeting that i need to go to for whole hang will you allow me to take that call or go to that meeting and he was like yeah you can um which was really uh really hard to find in a boss, that flexibility. Mm-hmm. And what he did was he took a step back, gave me the opportunity because he'd been previously successful with another company that was, he sold. Um, he gave me the opportunity to really build my own team and do everything and learn everything that I can now apply to my own business. So because it was down south, one week I was down there, the next I was remote because I was fixed on not relocating my life. For yeah. Amplify. Yeah. Um, one, because it was still a startup in a way, even though it had a lot of funding. Uh, but two, is I had an attachment, an emotional attachment, and a physical that being whole hang back at home in Liverpool. Mm-hmm. So, um, like many startup founders, I was product um, product specialist by day, and overnight I'd go back to like a hotel or wherever I was staying, and I'd just get lots and lots of feedback on whole hang, and that would be my life. Um, and as Danny left, and I got money. I hired Marius, who's now my CTO and co-founder on Housemates, as a freelancer. Um, and as we went through this process, uh, it was not the typical relationship that you have with a freelancer. This was like we had a Slack channel, would message each other at like two o'clock in the morning with ideas. Um, 
I believe now that it was meant to happen that way. Yeah. Uh, so our working relationship, yeah, it was professional because I paid them at the start. But that made us accountable. It made us brainstorm a lot of different things. And in that process, I, we discovered that Marius was also an international student who was finishing his master's in the University of Glasgow. He's been coding since he was like 10, 11. So a lot of years coding mm-hmm. experience. One of the best. So coding was his side hustle to yeah. get through university. Yeah, literally. So he was one of like, the, you have rising talents on Upwork. He was like in the top uh, top 5% on Upwork with success and all these different things. So he's quite entrepreneurial in a way. And he comes from like a family of entrepreneurs as well. Um, so we we decided that he he gave more and more feedback towards the project. And that was like, you know, Liz, I've had this problem. I know this problem of booking accommodation. I haven't just had it on the first year that came here. I've had it on five years. Um, it happens every year when it comes to that period of finishing one academic year and looking for the next where do you stay. So how do you deal with a landlord or a letting agency? And we had a lot of feedback from international students in regards to international housing agents who were taking advantage of the fact that they either came from wealthy parents uh, or the fact that they really wanted to experience a culture in the UK and come here to study mm-hmm. with that relocating piece. And we decided that um, through this six-month period of Marius still working and we were pushing updates on Hall Hang, we wanted to rebrand. Uh, we were going to rebrand to Housemates um, and that we were actually going to we were going to solve that issue and we were going to create a platform that was streamlined, our values were transparency, um, no student fees, a whole bunch of things that, that I can go into. But we decided to pivot, but that pivot took around six months. It wasn't, oh, we just want to do something new. There was a lot of data to back yeah, it. Telling you that this is actually yeah. the problem. This is actually the real problem. Yeah. And Hall Hang's a part of a, a feature. Yeah, whole hangs like what happens once you've got into the building. Yeah. But actually uh, getting the building in advance, having a really good experience with finding the property that you like mm-hmm. that meets your budget and uh, is has the amenities and is in geographical, um, you know, yeah. has transport routes to university and places that you want to yeah. be around. You're not that's, getting a hand taken out of you yeah. by somebody who thinks that you're... That, you know. That's it. So we were blown away by that process. So typically the process involves, you know... Uh, all these international housing agents, they're all like affiliates to universities overseas. They're all like private companies. They get involved and it can take weeks to complete on a property. And in that time, like the, the money racks up and they, they they turn around and say to the parents, oh, we're going to charge you like 20, 30% or whatever the total rent is because mm-hmm. we've done this for you as yeah. a service. That's where their service fees come in. Uh, but obviously that's not fair. And in the meantime, they get like a kickback and a commission from the property owner. So they were like winning at every point. Mm-hmm. But you've got to think who's losing here. Well, I just don't believe or our, our, we don't believe as a, as a company that, um, you know, you book your insurance online in a matter of minutes, you book a holiday online, you can do everything now, you know, yeah. all the clothes online. Why is it that student accommodation has to be really complicated? Um, but for a demographic that is so used to everything here and now, so demanding, um, and, and I just we decided that we were going to solve that and that that's where housemates came from. So how does it do that? How does the actual core product work and how, do, how does it solve that? Yeah, so with us, uh, all our supply is verified. So what that means is we started off with a very basic, minimal, viable product. Behind the scenes, it was quite consultancy because we hadn't built the whole system. Mm. We started off with uh, private student halls originally our business model was um, finders fees with the private student halls. 
um, we soon realised over a period of time that that was the wrong business model and that we needed to further advance our technology based on the student feedback and the experiences we were having trying to chase leads and everything through the platform. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we did was, we, that was like 2019. So from 2019, January to March was MVP1. Yep. Then from March to June, we built MVP2, which was okay as a student, you sign up for free. We're never going to charge you any service fees or any commission or anything like that. You come into the platform and you offer the whole range of properties. So that can be anything now because we're dealing with new segments of supply from a house share HMO, um, an apartment or ultra premium apartment or a penthouse in the city. And now we're dealing with apart hotels and hotels as well because the behaviours there with students mm-hmm. staying in those types of um, accommodations. So you find your property. There's no agent in between. So we've got an intelligent booking messenger that we've spent a lot of time on that basically plugs all the data in and starts the conversation between the property owner and the student coming into the country. Or a UK student, there's nothing stopping a UK student using our system. And basically what we've done is we've gave students uh, the ability to make an offer on a property. So basically, you know, it brings transparency when you think about it from a property and supply standpoint, because if you've got two properties on the same street and uh, the exact same spec, both got two rooms, uh, two bedrooms, and one's asking 180 a week and another's asking 220, that brings transparency to the student to say, well, actually, um, I like your property better, but I actually want to give you 200. So we give students the ability to make an offer, mm-hmm. uh, which we think gives students a voice in a way. Because when we look at this whole process, students have never really had a voice. It's kind of like you get what you're given, that's it. Um, so a student can make an offer. We can have counter offers so they can go back and forth. Or if they just want to pay the price, they can simply pay the price. Um, they sign a tenancy agreement. And we take, uh, we built our payment system with escrow, which means that uh, we take deposits on properties if it's residential. Um, and we we store that. We can store it up to three months on our escrow services with Stripe. And so that basically means that our business model changed. So we changed to a service fee, completely free to the students. We charge a service fee to the landlord uh, or the property owner. Um, and that's a 20% service fee. So we're very transparent about that. That, that is everywhere. But what that means to us is when we look at our competitors and the competition in the market, we position ourselves in a very good area. And that's because there's no upfront cost. So if you look at it, there's no listing fee for a property. Um, there's no subscription fee. Uh, you know, re- reoccurring revenue is nice, but I don't believe in it in, in our platform. It just wouldn't work. And we look at our competitors and they've seemed to do that. So they've either gone to let an agent route and we don't want to deal with agents with subscriptions. Um, or they've gone high commissions and they've charged like up to 30% on the on the rental income to property owners, or they've gone like a spare room list of way. With us, what it means is a property owner comes in and they don't they don't pay us until they see our value. So until that transaction's completely completed and the deposit's been transferred and they've been notified that it's all secure in the escrow in advance mm-hmm. because students are booking accommodation in advance, that's when they pay us. So for me, that's great because there's no cancellation fee to our platform. If you don't find our value, then there's nothing stopping yeah. you from not using us. Don't list it. Yeah. So, you know, our business model changed, um, but we're now dealing with new segments of supply, which is really exciting. Our business model, our, our 20% stays the same, um, but obviously with apart hotels and hotels, you don't have deposits, so we're on the total the total stay, a bit like a yeah. booking.com. Yeah. We've watched this behaviour happen where students are staying in hotels and having to negotiate this themselves um, and apart hotels. 
And it's because platforms like Booking.com or Kayak have a limit of a 30-day stay. That's not even a semester. Yeah. So we're dealing with like big transactions from a semester to an academic year. Yeah. Um, but people who, who have them will need to stay in an apartment or a hotel or whatever. So we've got a whole range of supply from anything where your budget's like £400 a month. Right, I think our most expensive one's about 5000 a month. Um, whole range. <laughs> I'd like to be that student. Yeah. Um, you've touched upon some of the challenges that you've faced in your previous businesses, obviously losing a co-founder, um, you know, ideas dropping through the floor and the impact that's had. What about this particular journey with um, housemates? What are the challenges that you face along this particular journey? I think our, our challenges was, uh, I think, positioning of the brand in general. So we're... What are we? What do we stand for? Our values. I've never really thought about those things previously. So, you know, our values are transparency, no student fees, completely flexible, all our payment system. Like we've got we've got that in-app on our websites everywhere, our values. Like that's really important. We build community guidelines that we didn't ever really think of. And building those, you had to think about long term, but which is great because it's motivational. Um, but they can be quite tricky to build as to what do we want to cultivate? Mm. We are bringing two people together and, you know, we're bringing a vulnerable person who, in most cases, is a student. This is the first time moving away from home. And if they're doing that to another country, that's quite scary. So they don't understand the environment, how to deal with it. And then we might have a landlord who's came away from a letting agent because the new, um, the new commissions on letting agents that are charging just sky high. Mm-hmm. So they decided to bring the portfolio away. And we've got to be a platform that makes these two people comfortable in dealing with, with each other. So all our tone of voice, all that stuff has had to be pushed. Um, another thing that I went through, so I worked with, uh, and he's an ex-venture capitalist, so um, Rajesh Sharma is his name, currently based in Liverpool. And we started the process with him in December last year. Um, and it was basically, okay, what does investment ready mean? Now, uh, I say this to everyone that I meet. So if you read TechCrunch, all you see is such a body's raised a Series B, yeah. Series A, Series whatever. Hustle porn. Yeah, yeah. you know, everything's, um, you know, 100 million being acquired for 100 million is nothing. Raising 100 million is nothing. It, it's just craziness. So when you actually go through the process with someone who's been on the other side of that table as a venture capital and has got 15 years experience and basically says, this is what it means to be ready, not just for VC, for angels and this is how you need to think about your business you know um you know most of the time we're, we're, we're kind of we're made to think with a startup build the minimal viable product get some data don't build a business plan but i actually do believe now that you should have a business plan because it all comes down to like a strategy execution mm-hmm. how do you differentiate from your competitor and when it comes to standing in front of an investor you've got to know who your competitor is how you differentiate you know, what their team consists of. Like, you've got to know the whole story. You do. Um, and you've got to know, okay, what, what business model are you, at, are you at now? What are your forecasts? All these things that, like, you know, most startup founders don't really think about. It's just about getting the data through the door and saying, oh, we've got a valuation of five million or whatever it is and selling it to an investor, which um, I now realize just isn't the case. So I went through this process of still building housemates, me and Marius working full-time, I quit my job at Amplify. So at Amplify, I got promoted to a product manager, quit my job uh, October last year. So I've been on full-time on Housemates since then. Everything's went into that. So that shows that I'm really not motivated by money because I'm not making money. (laughs) 
So so therefore, um, I guess weird. I've never been so happy as I am now dealing with so many different people and growing the company. Um, but yeah, I, I quit my job. We went full time. And at the same time, I was working with Rajesh on getting those documents that standards. And now, only just now is that paying off. So all that work that was done, I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours. You know, at, at times I said to Rajesh, why are you asking me so many questions? I do not need to know the answer to that right now because I am just a startup. But people have since asked me those questions. It's almost like an excuse, isn't it? Yeah. I don't need to know that. I'm yeah. a startup. It's like, no, yeah. you're, an, you're an SME. <laughs> that definitely. So like now people ask me those questions that he asks. And I'm like, that he previously asked, sorry. And it makes sense. Um, and when people ask for documents or a data room, we have it. And we have it to the highest possible standard we could ever pull, pulled off ourselves. Um Really, the challenge has been understanding what investment ready means um, and how do you sell that depending on the type of investor you're speaking to um, and how do you sell a vision. So, uh, you know, I, it sounds crazy, but I have all like, this positive inner talk to myself about this vision all the time. Everyone that I meet, so I tell that vision, you know, we're going into an unregulated market. We want to give students a variety in every type of property and we want to make that such a transparent and streamlined transaction that it's as easy as buying a piece of clothing online. And that's how we want to do it. Now, if it takes us, our technology is great. If it takes us five, six years to get to that on a large scale, and we're really not bothered about that. Yeah. Um, so if someone said to me, do you want to spend the next 10 years of your life on this issue? The answer is yes. Yeah, because you um, know there's a solution at the end. Because it's a huge, uh, so you know, um, you've got 8 million international students globally, but it can work for students in the home country as well. You've got 200 million students globally. Well, it doesn't just work for students, yeah. I think. So, you know, we talked about my yeah. arrival in Manchester, obviously, two and a half years ago. I'm not a student, but mm -hmm. probably would have benefited from that type of service as much as anybody else. Yeah. Uh, so that that's a lot of feedback we get from, like, the young professional market. We know that the supply is there for the young professional market, and obviously the demand's there as well. Mm -hmm. We see people trying to, like, sign up to our service who are young professionals, and then they kind of drop off because we ask about university and other different things. Okay. Um, but, you know, that is a market... Um, but, you know, for me, it's it's all about students. And I think um, our team resonates with that. Yeah. Um, we're currently interviewing different CMOs who've got amazing experience that I'm excited to kind of announce over the next few months. But people who've been there and done that, but still um, really understand that students and what is that mindset like and understand the property side of it as well. So we talked about some of the challenges, but we all know that the entrepreneur journey is a roller coaster. Yeah. So we've talked about some of the challenges. What about some of the highs? What are the, some of the biggest peaks that you've experienced over all of the businesses, not yeah. just this one? So um, with, uh, you know, I, I feel like the word entrepreneur has to be earned. And I don't think it's a financial thing. I just think, um, you know, you, you look at where we are now with Lawrence and what Lawrence has done with UK Fast. That's taken 20 years to get there. Uh, there's probably been a lot of highs and lows. And I think it's not just um, selling a company or having a huge valuation that makes you an entrepreneur. Um, I think it. I think it's a whole lot of things. It's like, like a growth mindset to like mm -hmm. what you, how you um, empower people, how you make people believe in your mission. Um, but I think one of the biggest highs that I had this year was going back to positive self talk. All I do is since the age of eleven. So this has been since before. Um, before I'd done Fifth Flash, I, I was selling ducks and turkeys. Uh, so there's just Sorry, been real ducks. And real, real ducks, ducks. Real, real ducks, ducks. real turkeys. Um, 
So I'd done chickens, ducks, then I went to Turkey, so I had a whole load of turkeys. Um, this has been, like, I was reading, like, Sir ben, um, Bernie Eccleston's books at 11, Richard Bronson's books at 11, um, uh, Karen Brady, all these books that I was reading. So you want to see a book collection come to my <laughs> come to my house. So I've been listening about this positive talk and really believing in yourself when no one else believes in yourself. So what was interesting this year was to stand in a room and for the F the regional finals. And one was to win it, and that gave me some kind of feedback that, oh, I deserve to be here. But two was to have a lot of people come up to me, um, and they were international students because the building that we were in, saying, we've had your problem. And people coming up to me saying, you really understand your market. You're very clear with how, how you uh, portray your company. And all that gave me this moment of, uh, I don't know if you call it the aha moment of, Wow. Okay. So it's finally paying something. off. Something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and from there, we went to the national finals. We win, didn't win the national finals. Harvinder, who's got this really cool wearable, who needs the kind of money for the to build it, um, the hardware side of it. Um, he won. He was a really great guy. So he he um he deserved the win. But we met through that. We met some extraordinary people. So I was stood in founders forum, and I can't explain it. So I, uh, the way I say it is so imagine wanting to be an actress and really studying, studying all those actresses that have done it. So I was in a room with the founders of Skype, TransferWise, <laughs> um, uh, the VPs of Facebook, um, VCs who created Atomico, Index Capital, all these people that I, I've read either the books, the podcasts and wherever. So I felt starstruck in, in this moment. Yeah. And then to get told that you're going to have the opportunity to pitch to those people and speak to those people was the most crazy thing that I've ever, ever experienced. So through that, we got an amazing mentor, um, Bahavan, and Bahavan, basically, he owns Flock, which is the rival of Slack. Yeah. Um, he sold, he sold numerous different companies. Um, but what I liked about him is, you know, he was very, very down to earth, one of the most successful people you would ever meet, um, and came from, um, almost came from nothing, and it is is now hugely successful in every every vertical and it's just addicted to building companies. So you look at Bahavan, um, you know, he's only just getting started. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he's got a, one of the biggest payment companies in India. Um, he's got Flock, all SaaS companies, one of the biggest domain extensions. And what he did was, he's either given me money because he's never gave anyone money because um, uh, he's never had to raise money. That's the thing. So everything he's done, he's funded through himself and sold. But what he did is he gave me time. And through that time, he basically said, listen, Nadia, I really like what you're doing. Come to my house. This is just not normal. We'll, we'll get you someone to cook you a meal. Mm-hmm. And what we'll do is we'll go through your data and your business. So I found, my, I found myself sat in this amazing, <laughs> amazing house in London with like, um, like staff and all these different things. But he was just so down to earth. And basically what he said to me is, you can do this because you've got the same as me, what I had, the drive. But he said, you know, what you need to do is the best piece of advice that I've ever, ever had. And this was a high of this year. Whereas some people could take it as a negative. You can't do everything at once. So you might be in 25 cities right now, but you're in 25 cities very thinly. So what you need to do is we'll go through your data and we'll find out the city that you need to be that works best logistically, best financially, where your demand and supply is high. Um, and that's why we decided to focus on Manchester six weeks ago. And since that, 
you know, our supply, we're probably looking at numbers like three and a half thousand supply for Manchester. Um, it did the focus that being told by someone you need to focus mm. um, from someone and him giving him his time. That was probably one of the best things that I've had so far. Amazing. 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 And presume you're still in touch. Very much so. So he messaged me on WhatsApp and he's like, how are things going? Holds me accountable yeah. on KPIs. Brilliant. Um, but having someone like that, I believe in the power of mentors. Up until then, um, I'm not going to lie, found it quite hard to find a mentor. So all I'd done was read books to kind of teach me what what works, what doesn't. Um, but having someone like Bahavan in his network um, is so, so valuable. Uh, just, And I know it sounds silly because someone else could have told me to focus, but he gave me all the reasons why. Yeah. Um, you know, if you want to go to London, you're going to need like three times the amount of capital. You're in the face of your competitors. Your your competitors have already got supply there. You know, look where your competitors haven't got supply. You've got supply and your model's going to work. And that is Manchester. Um, and every, if we had a checklist and we went through it, every box is checked for Manchester. Um, and the fact that it's on my doorstep and only takes me like 20 minutes to get here. Yeah. Makes everything a lot easier. Well, mentoring is one of our pet uh, subjects and something I'm incredibly passionate about. So I'm so delighted that you find someone that, that works for you. Yeah. Um, so what's the most exciting thing next? So you focus in on Manchester. What does that mean? What's the most exciting thing next for Housemates then? Uh, I think the next thing is um, we want to really prove the model in Manchester and have a playbook. We want to have it there over the next two months. And then we want to take it to other like... You're in prime, prime yeah. renting time, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Um, good thing with internationals is it's all year round as well. So we're not a seasonal business because uh, you have exchange programs and other things like that. But we plan to have a playbook that will work in Newcastle. It will work in Sheffield. We basically want to take north, northwest, northeast, um, some parts of Scotland before we go to London. Uh, but, you know, we believe once we've got that playbook, if it's taken us six weeks to get to now and we think we'll have that playbook, you know, all marketplaces work this way. So if you think they work with a geographical constraint, think Deliveroo, they launched in a certain part of London, yeah. a few restaurants, same with Uber, with the cabs. So once you get that playbook, it becomes very easy to take it to another city. So the plans are expansion plans once we've nailed Manchester. Another plan is raising our investment. Um, so we are fundraising for £250,000. Um, I want smart money. I don't want people just coming at me for tax relief. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I believe in that. We have SEIS and EIS, but I, I really, I don't want to be spoon-fed, but I want to have people around the table that have either done it previously Um or can, can bring other people to the table. And I think that's, when I look at the best companies, they've had the right investors. And I think that goes for teams. So another exciting thing is, as I mentioned, bringing on a really good CMO who's worked with marketplaces and economics of marketplaces before, some well-known ones, um, and really helping us incrementally grow supply and demand. So I think everything that is exciting is expansion, is a, is bringing more amazing people into the team um, and obviously taking on some capital to help accelerate everything as well. So what does, I mean, I think you, you've talked quite a bit about having this long-term vision. What is the long-term vision of success for, for you? Yeah. Um, for so, you and for housemates. Yeah. So for me personally, I don't know if this comes from, um, I say this all the time, I don't know if it comes from the isolation in school, but I want to be able to walk into an office and go, this is my team. This is my team who's extremely passionate about this. Is the, this is why I love the workplace that you've got here. Um, you know, this is the team that I can rely on 
that solves problems themselves and we're like a family unit, whether that's at scale of 10 or scale of, you know, 400 employees. <laughs> if you can take that company culture to that level, then I think you've been a really big success because I wake up each morning really, really happy to do what I do um, and I'm not making money. So money isn't the goal. Like I know I, I, know I can yeah. make that, um, but it's people, being around people who have either got similar interests or are aligned on the mission. Um, that's why I'm really enjoying it right now because I'm going out and, you know, I'm 20, 20 years old, but I'm going and getting shown around these penthouses by all these different people. And, <laughs> and it's just it, it's just crazy because everyone, you know, they email me and then when I turn up, they have a slight shock. Um, but I, I'm really enjoying just meeting people. And I think I've came into my own elements where I know, uh, I know what I'm capable of. I know how to come across. So I'm not too childish and I'd never, ever come across big headers either. Um I've just understand. I understand me better now. Uh, I've got more confidence in me, and I think that's that that's in the, the company's values. Me and Marius, um, you know, we're we're a really tight team and everything. And if you look at that, it's not often that you get male and female co-founders. Um, but what we work really, really well. We compensate each other. Marius is all about empowering women. Um, you know, which is something that. With investment, we plan to obviously bring more women into the team as well as male. Um, but I just think it's all about people for me. With housemates, um, you know, I want housemates to, you know, there's, there's millions of supply out there and there's 200 million students. Um, you know, I just, uh, I want to be the biggest player in the space. I want to be the most transparent. Um, you know, the thing is, what's, what's great is that we don't have any... We don't have any physical assets. So if you look at something like Airbnb, the bigger than most hoteliers, well, they're the biggest, right? Mm-hmm. It's the bigger than the Hilton. Yep. Um, they don't own a physical asset, but they bring two parties together in a marketplace form. With us, I want to do that, but, you know, there's 200 million students. So this is a really big market. I think they calculate that Europe is worth 180 billion in student accommodation. Um, so that's something to intrinsically move people as well um, on that mission, but... I want to see housemates everywhere, you know. Uh, I want I want to be able to search the word accommodation and it come up on Google's search results at the top. Uh, I want to be able to, you know, drive down the road and see a billboard saying pick your room and housemates. Um, yeah, everything gets weird because everything in my life at home is the same colour as housemates, so I tend to put it <laughs> everywhere, <laughs> literally everywhere, so I can't forget That's about okay. it ever. Um, but yeah, I just think there's such a big opportunity. Um and it's an opportunity for transparency, which means it's fair for everyone. No one's getting ripped off. Everyone's getting the best student's experience. What we've got to understand here is that accommodation, it's home away from home. So you've really got to get that right. No matter what budget you've got, you've got to get the convenience right. You've got to get the spec of that space right. You've got to get the neighbours right, which is our onboarding package as well. Um, seeing who lives in the building, correlating with GDPR. Um, you've got to get that holistic and that's just a starting point. You know, what we'd like to do is say, right, okay, you haven't got a guarantor. This is one of our partners. We can get you a guarantor. You haven't got insurance. This is one of our referral partners on insurance all done through the platform. Um, oh, you're moving out this summer because you're going home. Well, here's a removal company all done in app. Mm-hmm. So it's looking at that experience long term um, and working well. We, we, we work with like Student Job, which is the biggest job board in Europe right now on a referral basis. They're all about their mission align with getting them the best first placement um you know so 
we work with them. We work with lots of other different brands. Um, but yeah, I just believe this is just the beginning, really. Yeah. It's an exciting time. Live your brand. Thanks for what you're saying. Um, you've touched upon one of the best pieces of advice that you ever had, which was don't try to do it all at once. Um, what other pieces of advice would you have for other entrepreneurs and business owners? And what do you wish someone had told you? Um, you know, it sounds cringy, but age is just a number. So mm-hmm. uh, clearly you've lived a lifetime. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so in five years. People could say to me, well, one, one thing is that you... Going back to that, you can't have everything at once. That could go for a marketplace and expansion-wise, but it can also go back to um, you can't have a social life, the best car, the best house, and expect to do all this at once. You know, you just can't. Like, you, I try with, men, with you know, meditation, physical exercise and everything and make sure that I'm in the best uh, ability that I can to perform when it comes to my job. But, you know... You, I look at people who think that they want to have it all or people that say I'd love to do a startup but I'm sat on 80k a year and I don't want to leave the 80k a year well you either have one or the other you either come away from that job and or you save and put the money away resign from that job and spend two years of your life yeah on that savings yeah or you come away and work in the gig economy and that's it um so I think one of the most important things is to understand um that it's not going to come overnight you're gonna to have to sacrifice a lot um, it's good for me because I don't I don't drink. I'm not into any of that scene or Ibiza. Um, so <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I don't feel like I'm losing out at yeah. all. All my family's into that scene. Um, and I think uh, age is just a number. So I remember I've watched it change now. So I remember the first people I was meeting in meetings when I was 15, and I still come across those people now. And everyone says, "Oh, you've grown so much, and you position mm-hmm. yourself so much better." Um, it is just a it is just a number. I believe that, you know, you should give time to anyone, no matter what age or sexuality or ethnicity or whoever comes through that door. Um, again, that's something we want to cultivate in our team. Marius is, is um, he's from um, Lithuania. He's multilingual. Mm-hmm. So that's something can we deal with. We're representing students as well. So that's something in our values as well. But I think you should give time for everyone. Um, and like people who sometimes come to me and like say, oh, can you give me some advice? And I, I don't think I have any advice to give. Like, I'm only just starting. Um, but I, I believe that if you haven't got mentors, just read. Like, that's all I've done. Um, I, you know, if you want to see my bookshelves or my <laughs> Audible or my podcasts, that is where um, my passion lies. It's, it's everything from my pers- input. Yeah, personal development to strategy to marketing, mm-hmm. you, you name it. Um, and that, that's where my money does go on personal development. But I think it's all, it's it's a journey and you have to really love that journey to get through it because I see a lot of people who have a side project, it suddenly turns into a business, it suddenly gets serious. Um, and also don't be fooled as well. If, if you're going to go into tech and you're going to raise capital, don't be fooled to go into it because you're going to be your own boss because you're not. Because suddenly you have a lot of people to answer to. You have your customers, you have your stakeholders, your shareholders, the list goes on. So you're actually not your own boss. You have got a lot of um, things. You've got a lot of bosses. Yeah, yeah, you've got a lot of bosses. So, you know, and they will tell you if you do it wrong. Like, you know, we have users that tell us when we do things wrong, um, as I'm sure we'll have investors who will point us in the right direction when the time comes. But, yeah, it's just um, really listening to everyone. Like, I, sometimes, you know, I've, uh, I had an experience a few months ago I won't name the person, um, 
But this person basically said, meditate on the fact that it's never going to become something, right? This person started the phone call off very, very great, right? Um, previously in property, previously in prop tech, um, listened to everything that I had and said, oh, it's fantastic, X, Y, Z. At the end of the call, suddenly took a different shift and it was like, meditate on the fact that it's never going to become something. And kind of uh, three months later, just how life happens, I walked into a building and that person isn't usually meant to be on the reception, but was getting paperwork off the reception. Um, and I got a huge highlight that I can't really announce yet. I can really announce over the next few months. Um, but they were in the same building where I got the yes, where they said it was never, ever going to happen um, in another city. So I, I strongly believe that when someone says it can't happen, you know, you've got to find a thousand ways to make it happen. And when people do do that, it does really drive you because it's like, well, I'm going to show you. Yeah. Just because you've built a lifestyle business and it hasn't worked and you know, you've had to put yourself into liquidation, that doesn't mean that the whole world's going to have to go that way. Um, so that's something that I had to experience. That was probably a low that led to a high uh, where I was like, ha, in my head. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't go up to the person <laughs> and say, did you know you'd done this to me? <laughs> yeah. But I was like, ha, you yeah. were so wrong. Um, but yeah, um, there's, a, there's a so many lessons. It's about resilience, isn't it? I really believing in your product. Yeah, that, I, that, it's weird that you say that. That's like one of my favorite, favorite words. I, my mom wouldn't allow me to get a tattoo, but I would say, if I can get a tattoo, I will get resilience because I think that's what um, really resembles me because um, I've had so many no's, but now I feel like I'm getting yeses, lots of yeses and meeting the right people. Everyone's aligned with the brand, the values. They see where they can make value and where we can make value. Um and maybe that's the messaging of it. Maybe it's because our messaging's a lot more clear. Why mm -hmm. we're here, what we stand for, um, how we can help you as a property owner or a student. Maybe it comes down to tone of voice and uh, really learning that through data and other people. But yeah, it's um, it's an exciting time. You get lots of highs and lots of lows. <laughs> Um, it sounds like the more you believe very passionately and the more that you learn, the more successful that you come, become. And that's something that we're very passionate about at Tech Manchester. Uh, Lydia, I have thoroughly enjoyed talking to you um, today. I'm so fascinated with your story and what you've achieved in such a few short young years. You. Um, you have plenty to share and um, I'm probably going to bug you after this podcast about becoming a mentor. So... <laughs> <laughs> There is plenty that you'll be able to share with people that are coming behind you. Um, but thank you very much for sharing your story with us today. Um, if you have been thinking about whether you're too young, too old, don't have the right ideas, don't have the wrong ideas, sounds like the advice today is go with your gut, find something that you're passionate about, learn loads and get a better night's sleep. Thank you. Present like the fear from above.